I'd be like, so we're going home then. So <laughs> I'm thinking a June wedding. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Fall in Love February. Ooh. Ooh. I'm in love. <laughs> I'm falling in love. And it's February. <laughs> I'm just a girl in, in love. love. I, I can't, can't be held responsible, responsible for my, my action. She's an ingenue. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's one that I want to rewatch. Mm. I saw, I like, I was scrolling through, um, I don't know what I was scrolling through, honestly. I assume it was Amazon. Mm. And I saw the, the um, cover where she's in sk- like Spanx. <laughs> that first season went hard. Yes, for those who have not watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, highly recommend this Valentine's Day, perhaps. If you're single, if you're not, it's always a fun time. Yeah. And... If you have any plans with your pals or your partners, let us know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We were known to go see a movie and yes. spike our slushies in college and do like a little fun gals night hang. Yeah, it really worked out in our favor that like the Fifty Shades movies were coming out like the four years that we were in college. Yeah. So that was our our movie of choice on V-Day in the theaters the most fun crowd, honestly. Oh my gosh. It was a bunch of people who were like, knew the movie was going to be bad, yeah. but like heckled it the whole time. Like it was so enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. So let us know what your, your V-Day plans are. And with that being said, I feel like we should get into today's movie because she's a long one. It's a long <laughs> fucking movie. I did not remember that this movie was two hours. Absolutely it yeah. is. And the budget, you might be asking, was $50 million. It actually made $145 million in the box office. So, like, mm-hmm. I guess for what they put in, like, a decent return, but it didn't really, like do numbers i think it opened fifth or sixth in north america wow it is pretty crazy that the budget was that small given that there's like what three oscar winners yeah five emmy winners slash nominees like three oscar winners two oscar nominees pretty crazy it's kind of a stacked cast yeah like steve carell (laughs) v i almost called her demi moore um, Julianne Moore. Name? Julianne Moore. Yep. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. Yeah. Are you kidding me? La La Land said, we're casting. Have you heard of a movie called Crazy Stupid Love? <laughs> they said, copy paste. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did read, so this was like their first time working together, and I did read that after working together, Emma Stone was like, I want to work with Ryan Gosling as many times as I possibly can. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. I truly have nothing bad to say about the man. And if there's anything bad about him, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to I know. Don't, know. don't tell me. Okay. Don't tell me. I want to be in the dark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ryan, the Rizzler Gosling himself. <laughs> Truly oh just, you know, proving to everyone everywhere that charisma can't be taught. Mm. We'll get into it. Yeah. And trust me, we'll, we will be getting into it. Yes, for sure. I did read 
I didn't read any alternate castings, no. but I did read that the script was written with Steve Carell in mind. And then, like, in spring of 2010, Emma Stone joined, Leo Tipton joined, Kevin Bacon joined. I really appreciated the Kevin Bacon cameo. Yeah. Like, I thought he did the perfect amount of work <laughs> for this role. <laughs> yeah, just a small little role. Like, who are we going to get? Kevin Bacon. Big name. He looks like a home wrecker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, Marissa Tomei. Also, Oscar Great. award winner. Just in a small little part. Just a little right. couple days on set, you're done. They're like, have you guys ever heard of um, comedy? <laughs> Try it out. See see how Try it fits. It out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leo Tipton, you may recognize from America's Next Top Model. So you want to be, be on top? top? Yeah. They were like one of my favorite contestants. I loved them. I was so sad when they got eliminated. I do remember to this day that... Uh, they they got their name called first after one of the CoverGirl commercials, and Tyra said that it was the best CoverGirl commercial to date. Wow, that had been done on the show. So there you go. A last a little. This was under like trivia on IMDb. Yeah, I wonder if it's true, but I'm also like, this is not even like a fun. <laughs> this is like traumatic. <laughs> so. I guess while they were rehearsing the scene with the dirty dancing move, I get Emma Stone didn't realize that she had a phobia of being lifted high up until the first time Gosling did it. And she had a full meltdown and Gosling described it like a possum falling out of a tree and trying to scratch your eyes out. Wow. I don't know why they included this. They were like, she ran away crying and had to lie in bed watching Labyrinth to calm down. <laughs> All right. Too much information. <laughs> but so apparently this stems from when she was seven years old and fell off the high bars in gymnastics and broke both her arms. Wow. And I will say if I broke both of my arms, I would be like, oh, we're done here. Yeah. I too would be like, these feet are staying planted on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So they did end up using a body double. For the lift Mm -hmm. itself. And I did notice that, like, we only see the lift from the, you know, like, exterior shot. Yeah, it was weird. So that makes sense. But they used the recording of her real screams. (laughs) So there (laughs) there is that. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And also, the dirty dancing lift was not allegedly, not originally in the script. And you know whose idea Mm. it was? Mr. Romance himself, Ryan Mm -hmm. Gosling. Mm -hmm. Once again, I just want the listeners to be prepared. I will be referring to him as the Rizzler uh, <laughs> consistently throughout this oh episode. I think I even wrote it in the notes at one point. So get on board. <laughs> I don't know what it is about. It's the delivery, mm-hmm. the smile, the je ne sais quoi yeah. of this man. It just it can't be matched. Can't yeah. be matched. Even now, I feel like when people talk about or in interviews or anything, like, everyone is always so happy to work with him. Like, people are never like, damn, I had such a bad experience (laughs) working with Ryan. No, yeah, I've only ever read just, like, phenomenal things about working with him. Yeah. Well, with that being said, um, should we run and jump and do that dirty dancing lift right into it? Right into it. So we open up, we're in a a nice restaurant, we pan across 
the feet of many, many diners, you know. Did Dan Schneider direct this? I know, right? I'm like, what is <laughs> up? Uh, but we see lots of people playing footsie, people wearing like nicer shoes. And then we pan over to our main character's table. And immediately we are told so much about these characters because Julianne Moore, she's not wearing like the most fashionable heels ever, but she is wearing a heel. Whereas Steve Carell is wearing those big dad new balances and -hmm. their feet are not anywhere near each other. So we're setting up the dynamic pretty immediately. Cal and Emily Weaver are looking through the dessert menu. Emily is really quiet. So he asks what's up. Like she seems a little bit off and she's looking at the menu and says she's just trying to figure out what she wants. And he's like, yeah, I know. How about we say it at the same time? One, two, three. I want a divorce. Yeah. When he's saying creme brulee. (laughs) So it's a very striking open, I would say, for the movie. Yeah. So meanwhile, back at home, babysitter Leo Tipton, as Jessica, watches Molly a tiny Joey King. Always forget that she's in this movie. Yeah, it's weird to see her as a kid because I am like, you're so much older now. It right. almost feels like she's just playing young. Right. Just like a weird, <laughs> playing, a weird way to watch Playing it. young with like a fuck ass Bob. Um, literally. Literally. <laughs> I don't know no, exactly. why that was her hairstyle for so many years. Like a very long time. Well, she looks cute as a kid. I yeah. mean, it's giving Ramona and Beezus. Yeah. It's giving Mean by Taylor Swift. She was also in that video. I forgot. With that fuck-ass Bob. Yeah. Yeah. No, that fuck-ass Bob. <laughs> but, like, after you turn, I don't know, 13, like, you got to get rid of the Bob. Yeah. At least, like, you can you can have a Bob, but just something that's a little less coconut head. Right. Coated. <laughs> I think she actually looks really good with a shaved head. Yeah. Like, she has very big features, Mm -hmm. and I think that the amount of hair and the fact that she clearly has very thick hair. Yeah, it can overwhelm the face. Yeah, because she has a very, like, strong face. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's just the hair not doing her any favors whatsoever. Actually doing her a disservice. (laughs) (laughs) So, back at home... Jessica and Molly are just playing around, and Molly accidentally knocks a picture frame off the table, and Jessica's like, oh, don't worry about it. Blame it on me. Uh, Why don't you get ready for bed and go brush your teeth? She picks up the frame and looks at it. It's a picture of Emily and Cal. She covers up Emily. (gasps) Someone's catching feelings Mm -hmm. for a dad. Yeah. So we then go to the most excruciating car ride known to man, and she asks if he has anything to say after, you know, 25 years of marriage. We then, like, cut back to the house where Jessica is looking around for Molly's homework, and then she accidentally ends up walking in on, you know, the other Weaver child, Robbie, who's, like, 13, masturbating. So Awful. That's traumatic. So after that brief little interlude, we go back to the car. I'm like, why did we need to split these scenes up? I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird choice. But Emily keeps talking, ends up revealing that she slept with someone, David Lindhagen, from work. 
if you want to black out, you could take a shot every time they say David Lindhagen in this movie. I think it's, I think like, it's like 19. Yeah, it's something yeah. insane. And she says that she <laughs> you want to black out. Yeah. She says that she doesn't want to hurt him. Cal says, if you keep talking, I'm going to get out of the car. And she just like keeps going. I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Cal pulls a ladybird and he opens that door and jumps right out of the moving vehicle. <laughs> so Emily stops the car, goes back to get her, you know, husband who was just rolled out of the car. And he says, I'll leave tonight. I'll sign anything you want. Just stop talking about it. Uh, like, you can't blame him for just kind of shutting down. He has to process. Yeah, this is tough. Not only the news of the divorce, but that his wife has cheated on him. Yeah. And there's clearly, like, other stuff going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, the way it unfolds is so, like, uh, like, it's, like, one of those secondhand embarrassment yeah. situations. So... We go back to their house. Jessica cleans up and Robbie approaches her and he's like, I'm sorry you had to see that. But like, I'm not ashamed. I love you. Oh, boy. Doesn't matter that I'm 14 and you're 17. Soon our age won't matter. We are soulmates. Dear God. The weavers walk in and Jessica asks Cal what happened because the man looks like not good. He, I think he has bruises on his face from jumping out of the car. Yeah. And he's like, I jumped out of the car and we're getting a divorce. And Robbie is standing right there and they're like, oh my fuck. Like, <laughs> whoops. Didn't see you, kid. So Emily tries to keep a sense of normalcy and she's like, uh, Jessica, you know, did Molly fight you on the broccoli? She loves to fight on the broccoli. And she's like, no, she was fine. And eventually... Emily heads off to bed and Cal offers to drive Jessica home. Meanwhile, we cut to a completely new storyline. Hannah, played by Emma Stone, and Liz, her BFF. I don't know why I wrote Emily. Well, Emily is <laughs> Emma Stone's real name. I did know that, yeah. but I think I wrote Emily because I got confused. <laughs> I did see a, a clip fairly recently i i assume it must have been when they were doing press for this but it could have been la la land or gangster squad who knows but it was ryan gosling and emma stone and he like refers to her as emily yeah and the interviewer is like stop doing that like stop calling her emily and emma stone has to like chime in and be like no like that's my real name like please i would prefer if everyone would just call me emily like that's my actual name why doesn't everyone call her emily if she prefers it because it's her like she's billed everywhere as emma stone that sucks and it's the same thing with anne hathaway where she prefers to well, be called she changed Annie. her name I think Anne Hathaway had to change her name to join SAG. That's what Emma Stone had to do. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because there was already an Emily Stone under SAG, so she chose Emma, not realizing that then everybody would call her Emma for the rest of her life. The rest of her life. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same thing with Anne Hathaway, who prefers to be called Annie, but everybody calls her Anne. Mm. So anyways, we have Hannah and her friend Liz sitting at the bar. Hannah is talking about how she would let Conan O'Brien hit it. Not trying to yuck anyone's yum. Personally, not for me, but... I would. I would as well. Go off, sis. So Liz finds that appalling and calls her boring. And she's like, 
Hannah, like you never left LA. You're going to be a patent lawyer. You're probably going to marry that human Valium Richard. (laughs) Brutal. (laughs) That's funny. Then across the bar, who walks up but Oscar nominee Ryan Gosling playing (gasps) Jacob Palmer in a perfectly tailored suit with perfectly gelled hair Those piercing baby blues. He's looking fine. Yeah. So Liz is like joking about how she's resorted to fantasizing about a man who looks like a carrot. Mm -hmm. And Jacob chimes in, joins the conversation, is like, oh, who are you talking about? Liz is immediately enamored with this beautiful, beautiful man. How could you not? And she's like, oh, my friend Hannah here thinks that Conan O'Brien is sexy. And he's like, oh, really? That's, That's funny because I think your friend Hannah here is really sexy. And I'm like... I'd be, I'd be done. I'd be done. I'd be like, so we're going home then. So <laughs> I'm thinking a June wedding. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Hannah's like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Like, aren't you a bit old for cheesy pickup lines? And he's like, what are you talking about? I think you're wearing that dress like you're doing it a favor. That's a cheesy pickup line. But the fact that I've been staring at you for the past two hours... That's real. He's just such a good talker. I know. And he's like, I've been sitting over there for two hours and I can't take my eyes off you. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, fucking signed, sealed, delivered, baby. Mm -hmm. I'm just a girl. I am just a girl standing in front of a guy. And that guy happens to be (laughs) Ryan Gosling. But yeah, he's really quick with it. He's very witty. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. So he's like, do you find me attractive? And Liz is like, yes, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Liz is honestly really hilarious. Yeah. She's like ready to marry him. And Hannah's like, I don't. But Liz is like, "Uh, come on. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Yeah, you do. And he offers to buy her a drink. And she's like, no. And he's like, permission to approach the bench, pulls up a chair And he's like, we live in a physical world. You're going to age. You're never going to regret going home with that guy from the bar who's a tomcat in the sack. (laughs) But I can't guarantee that you won't not regret it. And Hannah's like, that's a double negative. And he's like, you're a double negative. Come on, let's go home. (laughs) And like, it gets up to leave. Or, sorry. He tells her that she's a double negative, and Hannah gets up, and she's like, it's time to go. Jacob is enamored. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so annoying, because obviously every Emma Stone character is like, oh my god, she's so beautiful, but she's like funny. Yeah. (laughs) You'd never expect it. She's funny, but she's beautiful. Impossible. Right. And she has rare features like red hair and freckles. Yeah. It, every every single one, especially in this era, you know, pretty yeah. fresh off of EZA. Oh, yeah. And she kind of looks like, like visually, I feel like her and Anya Taylor-Joy look pretty similar. Like with the really big eyes and mm. blonde hair and like tiny nose. But definitely gorgeous. Yeah. But just not as conventionally beautiful as, like, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. Right. Like, she looks a little different. And then they're like, but she's hilarious. <laughs> and that and those things together make her attractive. Can't have right. one without the other. It's 
Yeah. I want to meet the woman in the movie who has like a mid personality <laughs> and well, I guess this is crazy ex-girlfriend, mm. like a mid personality, <laughs> looks like fine, like can be, per- you know, can look like wow, mm-hmm. like when she really gets dressed up, but like is pretty average. Yeah. And I want her to uh, get Ryan Gosling. Yeah. I, I was that love too to much see. to ask. I want to see myself on screen getting Ryan Gosling. Cast me. <laughs> um, Hollywood. I'm available at any point. I'm five seven. I'm based in Toronto. Um, currently seeking representation. Please contact <laughs> me immediately. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do love this little meeting scene. Obviously, they're very well matched in wit. And I also love kind of the ending when she's like, it's time to go home. He's like, oh, really? That fast? He's like, do you want to drive? You've been drinking? I'll drive. <laughs> yeah. He's, again, he's so quick with it. Yeah. Like, And really what I'll say is the best jokes I've ever made, it's always about the timing. Yes, exactly. Like, if, if you're snappy enough, mm-hmm. it's – it doesn't even have to be, like, the funniest thing you've ever said. No. But, like, if the timing is there, oh, dog. You're, you're, you're good. Done. Yeah. Yeah. One of the literal – it's not even – I couldn't even call it a joke. But I've made people – I made, like, Christina, our friend, laugh harder than I've ever made her laugh with, like, literally the dumbest thing in the world. And I think it was just, like, the timing of it. We're walking mm-hmm. down the streets in Philadelphia. And you know how there's, like – we have there's obviously these in like every city, but when the sidewalk goes into the road and then there's just like a puddle of water, yeah, from like rain and stuff. There was one of those, you know, nasty brown puddles of water, and there was just like three lemon slices floating in it. And I went, mm, I love lemon water. And like, that was a, that was it. Not even really a joke, but just, I happened to strike at the exact right time. So. That's a, that's a lesson in comedy for you all. Yeah. Have <laughs> perfect timing. <laughs> have perfect timing and always have something good to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway. <laughs> so. It's not hard for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a comedy podcast, so obviously we're hilarious. Oh, my God. Have you seen the ads for the Webby Awards? No. Okay. Well, you've heard of them. Yeah. Okay. to sign up for the Webbies. Like, to be like, I want to be nominated for, like... I want to be eligible, yeah. Yeah, for, like, best indie podcast. They're like, $525, please. Yeah, because if there's anything that indie podcasts have, it's $500. It's $500. Yeah. Man. Where are we? What are we talking about? Car. We're in the car. Cal is driving Jessica home. She is just staring at him, pining. It's uh, pretty gross, TBH. Yeah. Cal just says to himself, he's like, oh, I have to call Nana. And she's like, what? And he's like, anyways, you're uh, so you're going to Stanford. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. And she asks if he's okay. And then Cal brings up David Lindhagen. He's, you know, going through it. So they arrive at Jessica's house and he apologizes, you know, for his state. And Jessica very boldly turns to him and says that he is the nicest dad that she babysits for. And she says, don't get me wrong. I like Mrs. Weaver a lot, but if she wants to divorce you, then 
she's batshit crazy. I hate all of her hemming and hawing in this movie. Yeah. Like, she does a lot of, like, hair twisting, and she's, like, looking down. She's like, ugh. She wants to divorce you. Then she's batshit crazy. Yeah. Like, covering her, like, mouth with her tiny hand. Mm -hmm. Just a critique from me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just not, like, a super dynamic performance to watch. Mm -hmm. So, especially when you're across from, like, Steve Carell, who, even though he is playing this more, like, mild-mannered dad character, he is still very dynamic, and you feel like he's making intentional and interesting choices with everything mm-hmm. so cal kind of like bursts out laughing a little bit and jessica like starts to reveal that she's you know developed feelings for him but so crazy cal is pretty checked out and not even listening and he's just like hey can you not tell your parents about this like the the divorce and she agrees she gets out of the car and just watches as as the man she loves drives away. So Cal does something out of the ordinary for himself. He grabs a drink at this upscale bar that truly looks like it was like someone said, hey, we need a bar for this movie. Mm-hmm. And they said, I can make you a bar for this movie. Oh, yeah. This is not looking <laughs> any way like a real establishment. No, no. It almost looks like we're on the stage, like, in a theater. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so we're going to do some strategic lighting. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have chairs here, here, and here. Yes. It's going to be a square. It's going to be very open concept. <laughs> very. No labels. No. no. names. No. He is drinking his drink and decides to bother. His sp- vodka crayon. His <laughs> vodka cr- Through a straw. Yeah. And decides to bother some poor woman. Ruin her fucking night and tell her <laughs> that his wife is sleeping with someone who is not him. And she kind of like listens to him at first, but then turns away and he keeps talking and then realizes that she's not listening. And he says just into the void that she wouldn't ignore him if he were David Lindhagen. Cal sees Jacob in the corner talking to several women at once and calls him gay. <laughs> Fellas, is it gay to hit on a woman? (laughs) Yeah, tell me that. Back at the house, Cal is taking a final look around the backyard as he prepares to leave. This is so sad because he just obviously, like, hates every second of this. And I'm also like, why does he have to leave? I was thinking the same thing. She's the one who wants the divorce. She's the one who cheated on him. Why is he the one being forced out of the house? Well, I think it's because it's like cliche, right? Yeah. Like it's always like the guy leaving. But I do think in a situation where you're getting a divorce, the the guy usually is like, you keep the house. I'll find somewhere else. Right. Like, as, like, a gesture. Yeah. And also, like, you know, it's expected that the mom is, like, the primary caretaker of the family. Although it seems like her job is more demanding than his job. Like, she seems to be in a higher position than him. Definitely. But Emily comes up to him and starts to say something but, like, stops herself. And then she offers to back the truck out of the driveway for him. And he's like, I got it. And she's like, hey, like, you just have trouble macking out sometimes. 
And he tells her when he's settled, the kids can come to his new place. And Emily tells him, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. Like, can women get midlife crises? And she tries to talk to Cal about her emotions, but he can't handle it and gives her instructions on how to take care of the lawn instead. So that's like pretty rough to see because at first we're like, okay, he's shocked, but he really just like refuses to talk about the actual issue. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, this movie is a lot about just like communication and like how we communicate about love. Yeah. These are two people who have been together for so long and know each other so intimately, like even just a small detail of like, oh, let me back out. Like you have trouble backing out of the driveway sometimes, but they can't talk about like the the deeper stuff. They're not able to like really talk about what they're unhappy with in their relationship. And one of my critiques of this movie is I don't feel like they went deep enough into like their actual relationship dynamics. Agreed. Like we we get glimpses into the fact that like Emily is not happy anymore. She doesn't feel like special or seen by Cal. But we don't really get much of his side on like how he felt in the relationship because obviously like he wasn't happy either. Like he still wants to be with her and he still loves her, but he was not living like a happy life either. Yeah, I feel like they tried to frame it like he didn't notice that their relationship was deteriorating. Right. But when he does, like when he later on tries to make a big gesture Mm -hmm. and like fix things – yeah, we still just – we don't have that conversation ever Yeah, where it's like we're really addressing the problems. And I think that's partially because it's supposed to be like a comedy and I don't think they figured out a good way to fit it in. Yeah. But also because there's so many other things going on in the movie. Yeah. Like honestly, I – maybe controversial, but I don't necessarily see this movie fully as a rom-com. It feels like half a rom-com. Hmm. I don't know, like, the the Steve Carell-Julianne Moore storyline. Either we needed, like, a couple more scenes, like, leading up to reconciliation for them or, like, more scenes before this divorce thing for me to, like, really get a good sense of the relationship mm-hmm. for that to, like, feel more in the realm of rom-com instead of just, like, honestly kind of just sad divorce. Yeah. And then, obviously, the hannah jacob storyline is very much rom-com you know like womanizer meets a girl changes his ways you know has to be with her blah 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 but i don't know something about it doesn't feel like full rom-com to me and i think that's very much emblematic of the tone of rom-coms that we go into in the 2010s right where things have a little bit more of a realistic tone to them and are kind of pushing back against the cliches of the rom-com genre and often trying to either break the form or surprise the audience by, like, going against expectations or being like, and then they don't end up together in the end, you know? Like, that was a very big thing in the 2010s, and I think this really Mm -hmm. kind of signaled that shift. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I definitely agree that that's the difference between – more modern rom-coms and older ones mm-hmm. where they were like, yeah, we're going to totally play into the idea of like enemies to lovers yeah. or like there's a change and now these two people are ending up together and it's just like quirkiness and 
fun and crazy times along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie felt very much like, oh, we're going to take something that people don't see a lot. And it's there's like a marriage issue, but they're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were definitely moments that could have been deeper. I feel like the deepest moment, honestly, was when we get like, it's, and it's literally a montage mm-hmm. of when Emily, nope, of when Hannah and Jacob end up talking yes. that evening Yeah, when she goes over. Yeah, I love that sequence. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But we are still in <laughs> an early scene yes. in the movie. So she goes, last week, when I told you that I was working late, I went to see the new Twilight movie by myself. I don't know why I did that. And it was so bad, Cal. <laughs> I'm like, was it Eclipse? Yeah, probably. 2010? It might have been. That's funny. Yes, it was. <laughs> wow. 2010. That's crazy. And Emily tells Cal that they haven't been them for a long time. That's her thing. She's like, we haven't been us for a long time. And I don't know when it happened. And Cal is like, maybe it was when you screwed David Lindhagen. And he gets in the truck and pulls out of the driveway. Yeah. So we go back to the soundstage bar. Cal has gone to drink some more vodka crayons. Once again, Jacob is there. It's clearly his, you know, usual watering hole. He decides to leave his burger, put on his jacket, go flirt with some women as, you know, Rizzlers are wont to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think I've finished. Uh, I'm going to finish chewing this bite, but I really need to flirt with these women. So I'm going to throw my coat on and walk over. (laughs) Yeah. When you're Ryan Gosling, you can get away with onion breath. Who cares? Yeah, a little mayo in there. (laughs) So Cal's friend Bernie then arrives. Bernie is also Jessica's dad. They're like family friends. Mm -hmm. And Cal is like, oh, thank God you're here, man. Like, it's been such a tough couple of days. I got you the Chardonnay. Bernie downs his glass of Chardonnay and just pretty like bluntly says, my wife, Claire, said that we can't be friends anymore. We had to choose between you and Emily. And for the record, I chose you. He then gives him a Macy's bag with some cologne in it and leaves. So mm. that's incredibly brutal. Also, I'm like, first of all, why do you have to pick sides when it's not like it's not like they both wronged each other? Like clearly one person <laughs> wronged the other like she cheated on him i don't know like they're they don't seem like they're asking people to take sides yeah i just don't understand but i i don't know because sometimes well like we find out later that although she cheated on him there were Mm -hmm. other problems right but it is quite dramatic because yeah, yeah there's just a lot going on and then he's like incredibly lonely and mm-hmm. meeting his one friend at a bar and his friend is like yeah i can't yeah can't hang no more yeah so some time passes cal just keeps talking about how david lindhagen cuckolded him he's like he cuckolded like, me no it says cuckolded anymore and i'm like welcome to 2024 yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like he cucked me <laughs> so 
<laughs> While he's kind of going on this sad rant, Jacob watches him from afar, feeling some secondhand embarrassment. So he does whistle and like call Cal over to him. Like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, hey. And then like does a little finger wave. Yeah. So Cal comes over and immediately Jacob's like, let me buy you a drink. And Caleb's like, and Cal's like, oh, no. And he's like, I'm buying you a drink. Mm. And then Cal, as soon as he sits down, goes, so my wife is screwing. And Jacob finishes his sentence, David Lindhagen. And then he goes, and how would I, a stranger, know something so intimate and personal about your life? And he's like, um, he's screwing your wife, too. And Jacob is like, the past Two nights. All I've heard is David Lindhagen. David Lindhagen. I need to hear the truth. Can I speak candidly? And Cal's like, does, I don't think he says anything, honestly. Yeah. And he says, I'm sitting here with the Supercuts haircut, getting wasted off vodka crayons like a 14-year-old girl, and you're wearing a 44 when you should be wearing a 42 regular. And I'm like, damn. damn. Read him for filth. <laughs> yeah, really. And he offers to help him rediscover his manhood and says when they're done, his wife is going to rue the day she decided to give up on him. And Cal's like, why are you doing this? And Jacob tells him he reminds him of someone. And Cal's like, I'm in. We find out later on that he reminds him of his dad. Yeah. Aw, yeah. I just put that together. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a really sweet detail when, like, he starts talking about the dad later on. It was like, oh, mm. that's why he's so drawn to Cal. Aww. And, like, that's why it ends up being really sweet that by the end of it, it's implied that he may potentially become his son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Cal agrees he's in and Jacob leaves with the girl that he was flirting with and tells Cal to meet him at Century City Mall in the food court 3 p.m. Thursday. And all I will say about this scene before we move right along is that there is a big difference between a 44 and a 42. <laughs> and if you don't know the size of your suit, gentlemen, 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 mm. Or your whatever pants, suit, jacket, whatever. Y'all need to find that shit out. <laughs> you need to. You gotta. Mm -hmm. Because that's the difference between you looking like the before Cal and the after Cal. Yeah. You, sometimes you gotta splurge, go to a good tailor, mm -hmm. get it done. Get it done. So Cal then has to show his kids his sad divorced dad apartment. Oh, yeah. It's like a fine apartment, but it's, you know. It's sad because they, they don't have the stuff. Yeah. Like, there's like a house full of their memories. And he's like, here's dad's condo. Yeah, with like no furniture in it. Not a look of art on the walls. It was really giving Mr. Cooper's bachelor pad. Yes, Jimmy Cooper's bachelor pad. I was also thinking it about. It might have been the same fucking place. Honestly, it could be. I was also thinking about um, in Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm. Uh, Robin Williams sad divorced dad apartment also <laughs> another crazy sad divorced dad story yes yes absolutely like, almost some might say psychotic also some might say illegal <laughs> <Should> <laughs> <it>? <laughs> 
<laughs> also, some might say you should go to prison. Yeah. Some might say. Who's to say? I am. Um, but <laughs> he's showing them the apartment. Robbie just sits at the island and says, Love sucks. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Way to make it all about old, you. 14 year old. Yeah. yeah. So Cal laughs and agrees and asks his son if he's in love. And Robbie is about to, you know, tell him more when Jessica arrives. I love the conversations between like a young son and their dad where it's like, are you in love? I'm like, if I said something at my dinner table, like, uh, love sucks, my parents would be like, who are you talking to? Right. Are you talking to a boy? <laughs> what would you be doing talking yeah. to a boy? Where are you going to go on a date? Who's going to drive? You don't have a license. <laughs> like, it would be so brutal. Yeah. Both like me and my brother, like never talk to our parents about any sort of romantic anything like even with our adult partners like wow both me and my brother didn't tell our parents until like quite far into it i actually found out about my brother's girlfriend now wife before he told my parents because he went to the same university as one of my friends from high school and my friend was like oh i saw your brother like i ran to your brother with like a girl i think he has a girlfriend and i was like oh my god and then like a few months later <laughs> you were like i am scandalized I was like, oh my goodness um and then a few months later he did finally tell my parents and i was like and i knew the whole time but i didn't say anything and then yeah i didn't tell my parents like about matt until quite some time later mm. um but like my mom just straight up asked me because when he came to like visit me for the first time, yeah, my mom was like, "Oh, can we like FaceTime this weekend?" And I was like, "Sorry, like I actually have like a friend staying with me." And she was like, "Who?" And I was like, "Oh, like he didn't go to NYU, so like you wouldn't know him, but like we had mutual friends." I didn't say anything else, and she immediately was <laughs> like, like, "Oh, you wouldn't know him, mom. <laughs> he goes to a different. He doesn't school. run in the same circles as you. <laughs> he goes to a different school." Um, yeah. <laughs> Which he did, but... Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's, like, actually hilarious. Um, it doesn't matter now. I feel like I can say this on the pod, mm. but when I first started dating Josh, like, he has younger brothers, mm. so, right, one of them, I guess he's 18 now, or 17, but um, I was gonna... Can you hear me? We're talking about... Or I was about to say a story about how when I first like started dating you at one point I remember your mom like she was talking to you on the phone or maybe she's talking to me I don't know but she said like oh your brother only dates girls from other schools or who live like at least 30 minutes away because he doesn't <laughs> like like fucking them to know each other <laughs> I was like oh my god a player wow. in our midst yeah he's he got but, it sorted out the a Rizzler and making <laughs> I was like, okay. And she was like, yeah, we had to make a rule. No girlfriends more than 30 minutes away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. <sighs> but he is in a committed relationship now. Yeah. Wow. Making that clear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Tell us how you told your parents about your partner. How'd that go down? Listeners, let us know. Hit us up. When I told my parents about my previous long-term boyfriend mm -hmm. 
I was FaceTiming. I was on FaceTime with them. And I literally go, like, I have something to tell you because I had never – thank you so much – because I had never told them that I was, like, in a relationship before. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a boyfriend, like, a serious relationship. There was one guy, but that was, like – it had been years at that point. So I was, like – I have something to tell you. And I was like, I'm dating this guy because I'd been sneaking around. Mm. And my parent, my mom was like, oh, my God, I thought you were going to tell me you got married. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Like, like, I know that I can be aloof sometimes, but I was like my own mother. Like... (laughs) I eloped. Yeah, li- literally. I'm like, is that the vibe I give off? <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that would have been crazy. That would have been insane. Yeah. Yeah. Where are we? At the apartment. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's like, huh, I'm in love. <laughs> and uh, Jessica. Unabashedly. Yeah, Jessica then arrives. And Cal says that he has to just, like, step out for a minute. Jessica's going to look after them. And Robbie is, I would say, understandably pissed that, like, a babysitter has been called to watch them. Not only because, A, this is supposed to be, like, their only time with their dad. But, B, he's also, like, he's 13. He's like, I don't really need a babysitter. I'm only four years younger than Jessica. Cal is like, oh, you're growing up too fast. You know, Jessica, did you hear that he's in love? And I'm like, that's <laughs> humiliation that's station. <laughs> Cal's like, anyways, I have to leave. I have a class, a master class, perhaps. And in, in sex. <laughs> in uh, the art of seduction. And before he goes, Jessica says that this is a really difficult time for him. And, you know, he should try new things, especially things he hasn't tried before and i'm mm. like what like going to jail for right <laughs> um grooming yeah <laughs> so cal leaves and as soon as the door is closed robbie just looks at jessica and says i love you so much so cal goes to the mall we just see him go to the mall moving right along mm-hmm. we go to a restaurant it looks like any kind of generic like La Azteca, like Mexican restaurant. Mm. Richard, aka Josh Grobin. In his film debut. In his future film debut, <laughs> who I did meet once at the restaurant I used to be a hostess at. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, I wish you were singing to me. <laughs> but he was like with his wife. So I like a Grobin party of two right this yeah. way. Please, sir, if you could regale us with your voice. <laughs> you raise me. Your table is right up. over here. <laughs> you raise me up so I can walk you to your table. Um, but he gets up and he says like a little goodbye speech to his Hannah Banana. <laughs> and he's like, go in that cave and study your butt off. And you are you know what you're going to do? You're going to kick that bar's butt out of here oh my god and liz is like let me get a double (laughs) like someone kill me now liz is criminally underused in this film oh i want her to have her own movie yeah like she is hilarious her comedy her subtle comedy when she doesn't even have like lines yeah chef's kiss incredible incredible yeah give us more movies about the quirky best friend please let them be leading ladies for once my god yeah 
Yeah, she's great. So he starts to mention something his old law professor told him, and Liz, like, cuts him off, and she's like, cheers to Hannah. (laughs) Hannah Banana. (laughs) Yeah. She has a lot of nicknames in this film. She does. So Richard leans over to Liz and tells her that after she passes the bar, she's going to have another celebration here, and it's going to be a special night. And Hannah asks Liz if she heard that. And she's like, oh, my God, did you hear what he said? Like, I think he's going to propose. And Liz is like, I hope not. <laughs> like, do you want him to? And Hannah's like, uh, I don't know. He's nice. Girl. And Liz is speechless. She's like, look at him. Look at yourself. If you end up with him, who am I going to get? Like, what am I going to end up with? And I'm like – this character is obviously supposed to be a loser, but let us not besmirch the looks of Josh Groban. He's a very good-looking no, man. he's a cutie. Yeah. yeah. But he's definitely annoying and boring. Yeah, for sure. And Liz is like, I want to fix this so bad, but it's not my life. <laughs> like, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And Hannah thanks her for coming and just looks at the man across from her. They're, like, on their blackberries being lawyers. Yeah, I think that the, like – dialogue we hear Josh Groban saying is like, oh, he BCC'd you? Oh my god. It's like the most <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is kind of like shade though, yeah. to be like BCCing someone and being like, so here's how the email should look. Yeah. <laughs> per my oh last my email. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, the coldest email is like resent. Mm. Just no no other words, just resent yeah. and se- like forwarding you the previous email that like the person thinks they didn't see yeah absolutely brutal i'm like why am i talking about work please (laughs) please don't let me interrupt (laughs) so we then go to the mall and we have this absolutely incredible shot of ryan gosling wearing sunglasses eating like sabaro pizza the what? nastiest slice of pizza yeah. I've ever fucking seen. While, like, tribal music is playing in the background as we do, like, a slow zoom into him. It's <laughs> cinema personified. So, mm-hmm. or as Mo has written it in the notes, Jacob is eating some pizza while waiting for Cal in a very sexy and handsome way. <laughs> He's the perfect combination of sexy and, and handsome. handsome. Exactly. So Cal walks up to him. And Jacob, you know, looks at his watch and says, you're late. And then he offers him some Sabaro and asks him how much money he has for clothes. Cal is uh, pretty speechless at the sight before him. And Jacob looks down at his shoes and sees the New Balance sneakers. We got the 407s on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jacob's like, oh, can I see them? And he fully takes his shoe off, hands it to Jacob, and Jacob throws it off the balcony. <laughs> he did that. <laughs> yeah. He then asks Cal if he's in a frat or Steve Jobs, because otherwise he has no right to wear New Balance sneakers ever. They then go into this, like, fancy menswear store. Jacob tells him that one of the benefits of his age is that he can rebuild his wardrobe with about 16 items. I love a capsule wardrobe. <laughs> yep. He then asks Cal for his credit card, and Cal grabs his wallet, and you can hear just the rip of the Velcro. A Velcro wallet. 
my friends. It's a real, real big bummer. Yeah. So we get the quintessential shopping montage. Mm -hmm. Clothes are bought, shoes are purchased, skincare is had. Mm -hmm. And then they look at jeans and Cal's like, oh, no, I'm fine on jeans. And Jacob is like, you're not fine. You have a mom butt. (laughs) And he's like, can I just go to Gap? And Jacob walks away. And he grabs him by the face and he's like, you need to be better than the gap. And Cal's like, I'm better than the gap. Listen, I've got some good genes from the gap. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll be honest. I would not shop there. But I, yeah. I like your tresses from the gap. I don't know. I don't know what the genes are like. I'm just not like a big jean girl. Well, actually, most of my genes are from Old Navy. Because I find that they just, like, fit me the best. I tried. I was like, let me go and see what, the you know, the Abercrombie hype is about. Yeah. No. Bad for me. So bad for my oh, body. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Did not fit well. I have two pairs from Hollister mm-hmm. that really did me good. One is, like, a button-up fly that has the kind of, like, I think it's, like, Levi 501 mm-hmm. fit where it's, like, high-waisted kind of but i have i'm short so i can't like wear super high-waisted jeans i'm like this is on my rib cage right um but and then i have another pair that are like not bell bottoms but kind of like a boot cut and i love those two pairs of jeans yeah but i will say that my size there is significantly bigger like when i go to Ann Taylor or something. I'm like, oh, I'm a size four. Like, I'm so <laughs> tiny. And then I go to Hollister and they're like, size eight regular bitch. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, I just, this doesn't reflect like the number. It's just a number. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah. A no, I, I could be literally any size in any store. I'm like, who's to say? Right. That's none of my business. Um, it's not, a, I'm like, just put the waist in inches. Yeah. Then I know. Yeah. I, when I tried the Abercrombie jeans, I, I always have a hard time with jeans just well, anywhere. You're taller too. It's because I'm tall, but I have a short torso. Oh, really? And like I have wider hips and I don't have like a super exaggerated hourglass, but like a little bit of an hourglass. So like I need it to come yeah. in at the waist, but still be big enough for like my hips and thighs. So ones that mm-hmm. fit my hips and thighs, way too big in the waist, like insane amount of gapping in the back. And I was like, this is not. This ain't it. This ain't it. I need to walk away. I tried on like probably. Yeah six or seven different pairs of Abercrombie jeans in, like, different sizes, Mm. and, like, none of them. None of them fit. Or it was just, like, baggy in the butt or, like, not going over my thigh. It was just – it was a bad time, and I almost had a breakdown, and I said, never again. (laughs) No, I hear you. I've had, like, a – yeah, I've had that feeling at other stores, Mm. especially a store that I've gone into when I was, like, Mm. thinner – and then going back, like, after gaining some weight and being like, oh, I'm going to have a fucking meltdown. Because right. the thing you tried on before, like, doesn't fit you the same way. Yeah. But oh, yeah. such is life. I love such is life. shopping for clothes. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so good. Yeah. What a time. What a time. Anyways. Anyways, yeah. He says I'm better than The Gap. <laughs> We're like, we're going to zip zoodle through the script. Not even. (laughs) (laughs) So we then go to the salon. Cal gets a little haircut while he is trying on 
some of his new clothes in the dressing room. Jacob is flirting it up with the hairstylist. He's like, oh, what are you doing later? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, I know what you're doing later. And she's like, oh, do you? And Cal is like, is it really that easy? And they're just both like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Cal reveals his new look. He's wearing so many layers. He's got Mm -hmm. a button up with a tie and a quarter zip cardigan and a sport coat. That is a lot. It's a lot. They're very impressed with his new look, and Jacob asks the hairstylist if she would sleep with him, and she and Cal kind of like laughs at first, but she's like, "Yeah, probably." And he's like, "What? Like a moi? Me? Like are you serious?" And the more he says, the more we see her face just like fall. <laughs> and Jacob is like, "You see what happened right there? You opened your mouth, and Tiffany started doubting if she wanted to sleep with you or not." And Cal says, "That's the meanest thing anyone's ever said to me." And Jacob says, no, this is. Oh, God. Your wife cheated on you because you lost sight of who you are as a man, as a husband, and probably as a lover. And Cal just quietly says, you're right, that that is meaner. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back to the bar, the soundstage bar, and Jacob asks how many women Cal has been with. And he's like, one. And he's like, no, not at one time just like total altogether. And Cal explains that he met Emily in high school and then they got married really young. And Jacob is like, okay, I stopped listening after Emily. <laughs> We're going to start approaching woman tonight. And he asks Cal if he's ready to go. And Cal's like, I miss my wife. <laughs> and he just has his work cut out for him. So they go up to a group of women, one of whom – starred in Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. Yep. <laughs> hmm Yeah. And Jacob introduces himself and gets her name, and Cal just jumps in, and he's like, I'm Cal, but Jacob's like, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and he asks Amy if he can buy her a drink. He goes to get the drink and is like, Cal, like, why don't you keep her company, but don't get handsy. Ugh. And she's like, LOL, like, ha, ha, ha. Cal agrees, and he's like, I wouldn't if my life depended on it. Already awkward. Yeah. And Amy asks for Cal's name again, and then he starts talking about Dennis Weaver from the cloud, and Jacob returns, and he stops him, and he's like, all right, cheers to everyone's fallen homies. (laughs) (laughs) So we then get... Some more flirty flirting. Jacob is flirting with this blonde girl and gets her to go home with him. We see him flirting with another girl. He uses Cal's line um, that he, I don't know if we mentioned it, but basically like when talking about his wife, he said that he always thought that she was the perfect combination of sexy and cute. Mm -hmm. And so Jacob uses that line on a woman and we then see later on like him and this girl having to listen to Cal's just benign story about his daughter losing a stuffed animal that was in the kitchen the whole time. And then Jacob's like, anyways, uh, let's get out of here. And they leave. Yes. And then we get another montage of Jacob saying, let's get out of here to just any woman in the bar with a pulse mm-hmm. and them immediately going. Okay. So we then go to Emily's work. She is trying to photocopy a divorce for dummies book, which is 
<laughs> yeah. Insane to me how prominent these books used to be just in the zeitgeist. They were so – like it was the way to find out information. Yeah. And especially like we would see them in a lot of movies. Like I can point specifically to – uh, there was it was used in Confessions of a Shopaholic when she's reading like finance mm-hmm. for dummies in uh, Thirteen Going on Thirty. She's reading magazine editing for dummies. Like it was just yeah very prominent in film. So David comes into the copy room and asks Emily for a moment, but she's like, "Sorry, I'm really swamped right now." And he's like, are you avoiding me? And she says no. And he's like, really? Because like you ran in the other direction when you saw me coming down the hall yesterday. Emily is like, yeah, well, I used to run track in high school. And David apologizes to her. He's like, I, I heard about the divorce. I'm sorry. And she says, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I really like you. Okay. So Emily tries to shut Kevin Bacon down. And tell him that he's been a great friend. You know, he noticed when she got her hair trimmed and that was huge. But she's trying to save him from disaster. Like, he does not want to get involved in her messy life right now. So in Robbie's class, we find out they're reading The Scarlet Letter. And uh, the teacher is Marissa Tomei. Yeah. And Robbie is texting Jessica under his desk, and he writes, Hi, Jessica. FYI, Demi Moore is 15 years older than Ashton K. They seem really happy. Love, Robbie. And Jessica just texts him back, like, Stop. You're making me very uncomfortable. Yeah. So the teacher obviously notices that Robbie is not paying attention, and she's like, Is there something you'd like to share with the class? And he decides to get up and tell the class that the A they're both wearing is for asshole because they fell in love and love is for stupid assholes. And this book is just about a bunch of assholes who fell in love like assholes, then had to die like assholes. I'm sorry about all the assholes. Yeah. They could have made that funnier, in my opinion. Absolutely. Especially, like, obviously – Emma Stone was in Easy A, which also Scarlet Letter undertones. But, like, her mm-hmm. getting sent to the principal's office for calling someone an abominable twat is so much funnier than him just saying asshole 18 times. Right. So this, of course, lands him in the principal's office. Emily tells Robbie that she has to go back to work, so he's going to have to come back to the office with her. On the way out, like, she makes a comment about how they still have to read the Scarlet Letter. Like, you would think that somebody would have written something better by now. And they, like, share a little smile and they walk off. So, like, he's not even really in trouble. She, yeah, he's yeah. not in trouble. <laughs> She's just like, whatever. Right. Anyways. <laughs> but if this is, like, the worst that your child is acting out amidst your divorce, right. then that's pretty good. Like, I'll, I would take it. Yeah. So they go back to Emily's office and Robbie is just, like, rolling around on a chair When he notices on her shelf next to her desk, there's a photo of her and Cal. And Emily's like, oh, I should probably take that down. So Emily asks about Cal, but then she like backtracks and she's like, oh, never mind. And Robbie tells her he's been going out a lot. And Emily's like, oh, like a lot, a lot or just a little. And Robbie's like, a lot. And Emily's like, oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm so happy for ah! him. 
change subject completely, like, let's get takeout for dinner. And Robbie tells her that Cal is sad. And he can tell that he's sad even though he looks better. He can still tell that he's not happy. Mm. And Emily's like, yeah, I guess I'm pretty sad too. And Robbie's like, yeah, I know I heard you crying in your bedroom, but I didn't know what to do, so I Googled it. But I just got a bunch of weird videos of moms in bed. (laughs) And Emily's like laughing her ass off. And she's like, do the parental controls work at all? And he's like, they work for me. And I'm like, oh, my God. And Emily's like, that's because you're a disgusting teenager. And I'm like, the banter is so off the wall. It's just like not something I can relate to. Right. It's weird because like this family is so open with communication about this kind of stuff, but then like so not open with communication about anything real. I think they just like wanted to make them look like they're really chill parents. Yeah. Like, they're like, the parenting isn't the problem here. It's their relationship. (laughs) So David Lindhagen walks in and tells Emily that Bill wants to see her before she leaves. And Emily's like, oh, this is, like, my son Robbie. Robbie, this is David Lindhagen. And (laughs) Robbie just shakes his damn head. Mm -hmm. Shaking my damn head. And she heads out to talk to Bill before going. And David walks away. I'm like, thank God. But... He's like, you know what? And decides to come back and ask Robbie about soccer. Let me just infiltrate this family unit real quick. Real quick, real quick. And Robbie's like, because he says something like, oh, I heard you're like a big soccer star. And Robbie's like, I heard you broke up my parents' marriage. (laughs) Tells him that in the end, Emily will get back with his dad. He's a better guy than him in every category. And she still loves him. So Emily comes back in and tells Robbie to get his stuff. And as he leaves, he puts the picture of Cal and Emily prominently on his mom's desk. Mm. He also really hams up. He's like, Mommy, can we get Chinese for dinner? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mama, I'm just an innocent baby. I didn't threaten a man. <laughs> so. Yeah. So Jacob and Cal go to the gym Jacob tells Cal that the war between the sexes is over and the men have won. They won the second that women started doing pole dancing for exercise. Wow, 2010. Yeah. Uh, We then cut to the locker room and Ryan Gosling is simply standing there, dick out, right in... uh, I'm like, show it. Yeah. Show it. What what are you hiding? What are you afraid afraid of? of? Show it. An R rating, perhaps, (laughs) but... (laughs) He says that even though they won, women still deserve their respect. You know, we make them feel beautiful. We actually listen to their problems. We open doors for them. And Cal asks for Jacob to please put some clothes on. But Jacob literally does not care. We cut to the sauna, like still in the exact same position. And Jacob tells Cal that he has to take control of his manhood. Like, I take what I want. David Lindhagen takes what he wants. And guarantee you, he's opening the car door for your wife right now. But Cal then proceeds to pass out from the heat directly (laughs) onto Jacob's dick. So, we have moments like this where, like, the humor is a little more raunchy and racy. Mm -hmm. But it's not consistent. So it just, like, the tone, it's not in line with the tone of the rest of the movie. Yeah. There's a lot of different, from going from her 
almost in tears mm-hmm. hearing that like her ex-husband is like, going out a lot right. to him in the equinox like yeah. passing out on ryan gosling's penis yeah it's just all over the place and you know it does make me wonder about the process of writing this movie because it was written by two people i can't remember if it was written by two people or directed by two people let me double check oh really yeah it was directed by two people so I do wonder if those kind of tonal discrepancies are because of that. Because it's not common for a movie to have two directors. Oh, yeah. For sure. We go back to everyone's favorite bar. Soundstage Bar, Los Angeles, Soundstage California. <laughs> Southern California Soundstage Bar. Um, Jacob tells Cal that he is finally ready to talk to a woman and take her home. He just needs to play his strengths. Jacob's are that he's mysterious, good in bed. Cal's are that he is stable and employed. <laughs> he points out a woman, Marissa Tomei. Oh my god! And they go over what Jacob does to pick wo- to pick up women. Um, one, buy her a drink even if she doesn't want one. Two, never talk about yourself. Only talk about her. That way, she has to be the one doing all the impressing. Diabolical. I know. I'm like, GM, put me in the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Three, you don't ask them to come home with you. You tell them. Dear God. But I kind of like – I do fuck with that to make your intentions known. Right. But like the 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 person should feel like they do have autonomy in yes. that choice. Yeah. But I do appreciate like a, you're coming home – like a strong like – Being assertive. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, but it's bad if if the person then if it's not consensual, right? Yeah. But I I just feel like when he's talked to women, he's never given off the vibe that they had to say yes, right? That he's gonna hit them over Personally. the head with a club and drag them back right, to his cave, right. you know? Yeah, right. So he tells Cal to take off his ring, and Cal like does it <laughs> reluctantly. And goes to talk to a woman named Kate. And he offers to buy her a drink. And she's like, oh, no, thank you. But he's like, I'm going to do it anyways. What, gray goose on the rocks, two limes. And she just goes, I'm five years sober. <laughs> I love how at this part, like, the the waitress has come over. She's like, what can I get you? And he's <laughs> yeah. like, nothing. Don't ever come back here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So Cal starts implementing Jacob's rules, and she's like, oh, so what do you do? And he's like, what do you do? And she's like, what do you do? Like, I asked you first. He's like, I asked you second. (laughs) It's just so uncomfortable. And she clearly just starts to get turned off. And she's like, "Uh, I'm a teacher. And he's like, boring. You got to keep it interesting. (laughs) She's like, I studied at Oxford for five years. And he's like, uh, boring. Like, I'm just like, that's not how you neg someone. Cannot take direction well. Yeah. (laughs) So he's really having a bad time. And Kate gets up to go. And he just like breaks down from this awful moment. And he's like, listen, I am so sorry I work in corporate insurance, I have children, plural, and my wife was cheating on me with David Lindhagen, which I wasn't supposed to tell you. And Jacob is just like watching this absolute train wreck. 
And she asks what he was supposed to tell her. And he's like, I was supposed to say that you're the perfect combination of sexy and cute, which is something I used to say to my wife. But now it's been corrupted. And I have 18 layers of clothes on. It's just all sweat from here to here. It's just sweat. And he's looking at her. And then he like admits, he's like, I'm looking at your breasts. But all that she gets from this is... You think I'm the perfect combination of sexy and cute? Marissa Tomei, stand up. <laughs> well, I'm also just like, why did they portray this woman? Yeah. Like, like, it's such a bad portrayal of a human being. Yeah, such a caricature yeah. of a person. And then again, tonally, it feels kind of off because the other people right. are pretty, like, grounded and down to earth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they were going for. They're like, oh, bitches be crazy. Am I right? Like, exactly. You know. So Cal brings Kate back to his place. And he's like, yeah, I had to move in here since my wife left me. And she's like super turned on by him being so honest. It's so refreshing and hot, apparently. I know she says that, but it almost feels like she just gets turned on from him being like, I'm a loser. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm a sad wreck of a man. And like, this is the highlight of my year. So she starts tearing his clothes off and he's like, I've only ever had sex with one woman. And she's like, more, more. And like she shoves him on the couch and is like, what do you want to do with me? And we get like the shot between her legs, which is not only the movie poster, but also a reference to The Graduate. And he says, I want to show you off to my wife and make her really jealous and that Really gets her going because she jumps right on him. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't think that would um, have the same effect on me. No. (laughs) We go back to the bar and Cal walks in just feeling like a million bucks. We get a montage of him talking to tons of women and taking them home. And Jacob and Cal talk about their various conquests when Hannah's friend Liz calls Hannah to tell her that the hot guy from the bar is here and someone is strategically placed in front of Cal mm-hmm. so she doesn't see him. Yeah. And Hannah's like, I'm studying. And Liz is like, you should be studying the ceiling of his bedroom. <laughs> but Hannah hangs up on her. I do also love there's one moment in this conversation while she's like talking to Hannah that I think after she says this, or something about, like, studying the curve of his dick or something like that. Yes, that a guy, yeah. like, turns around to look at her and she goes, honey, in what world? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we then go, quick snapshot of the Riley house. Jessica gets home and her parents are talking about the rumors of Cal becoming, like, a ladies' man around town. This obviously strikes a chord with Jessica. So the next day at school... She goes up to this girl, Madison, who apparently has a reputation for sleeping with older guys. And Jessica asks her how she gets these men to see her as mature. And Madison says, well, first off, I have a huge rack. You don't have a huge (laughs) rack. She's like, number one. Yeah. And she says, basically, you got to force his hand. You should send him a dirty picture. (laughs) If you put that on his radar, then he won't see you as a little girl anymore. No, that's illegal because you are 17. That is child pornography. Yes. As we learned from Glee, Mm -hmm. you can also get in trouble. Yes. From child pornography. Yeah. 
Then we are at lunch. Jessica notices this big crowd form around a red curtain. The curtain falls. It is Robbie professing his love for Jessica to the entire school and calling her his soulmate. And he has marked himself with a scarlet J. (laughs) So Jessica drags him away and says this needs to stop. And he's like, you'll learn to love me. And she's like, I won't. And he's like, is it because I'm four years younger than you? And she's like, no, it's because I love somebody else. And I'm like, it's both. Yeah, both things can be true. Yeah. And Jessica also tells him that, like, she likes a guy who's older than her and she didn't want her parents to find out. And Robbie's like, I'll kill him if he hurts you. (laughs) I'm like, okay, Oedipus. Okay, I was literally (laughs) going to say that. (laughs) And uh, she tells Robbie that this has to stop and tells him to grow up. And Robbie is absolutely heartbroken and walks away. Yeah. In the words of Olivia Rodrigo... Love is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I was literally playing that song for Matt last night. We were on the phone and this is such a random story, but like I watched Maestro last night and one of the... Oh, how did you like it? Mm, <laughs> it wasn't, a, I, it wasn't yeah. a bad movie, but it just like, it was missing a lot of things for me. Yeah. But one of the re- letterbox reviews that I saw of it was everything I do is tragic. Every guy I like is gay. And I started laughing, and then I had to explain the song uh, Ballad of a Homeschool Girl to Matt. Mm-hmm. And then I played it for him, and I was like, but this is my favorite song on the album. I played him Love is Embarrassing. He was like, those were actually pretty good. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> she got some bangers if you deign to listen. <laughs> I could so imagine Matt just being like, those are pretty good. Yeah. He's like, actually, I like those. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, I have taste? Who would have thought? When he was here the other day picking up your stuff Mm -hmm. we were like chit-chatting did he mention yeah 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 he like came to pick up your stuff and i was just like oh my god you like spent an hour and a half on the train (laughs) good sir like sit down for a moment (laughs) he's he's just like such a uh christine's boyfriend's such a nice guy Uh. (laughs) i could so totally see someone just being like yeah this stuff is actually good and him being like you know what i'll try it out yeah I I got him to watch Succession because I was like, I love the show. It's like well, one of my favorite shows. Like, and then, everyone should watch yeah. it. And so we watched like the whole last season together in real time. He's like, yeah, it was actually really good. So he's very open to stuff. <laughs> yeah. He watched the entire uh, third third season, whatever the latest season of Emily in Paris was. Oh, wow. Um, In your old apartment because I was staying there and he like came over and we watched <laughs> the entire season of Emily in Paris in one day. And he was invested. Wow. (laughs) It is one of those shows when you get into it, Mm -hmm. it's like, I think I watched the first season two days or something stupid like that because I'm like, but what the fuck is happening? And then like these things keep happening. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And Emily just keeps being like a dumb bitch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I have to know what stupid thing she does next. Exactly. She's like, I've done it. I put a mattress in the square. God, that woman. Um, so speaking of another Emily, the Emily in this movie, not in Paris, she's in her garden, just s- drinking some iced tea while David Lindhagen is doing <gasps> her landscaping. But luckily, it was just a nightmare that Cal had. It was not real. Mm-hmm. So he decides to, you know, he does break and enter into his old home 
but he decides to climb the fence into his old house and do all of the gardening himself in the middle of the night. We go back to Cal and Robbie. They're just throwing around a baseball outside of the apartment, and Robbie mentions how he'll have to see mom at the parent-teacher conference. And Cal's like, it's no biggie, but like, why are you moping? And Robbie's like, oh, there's this girl. She's my soulmate, but she doesn't even care. And Cal's like, well, you just have to like not give up on her if she's your soulmate. And Robbie's like, why not? You did. I'm like, brutal. What? (laughs) And Cal goes, I didn't give up. It's more complicated than that. I'm a different guy now. And Robbie's like, no, you're not. You just have different clothes. Either you love mom or you don't. And I know you do. Go get her back. Wow. And this does inspire him. Yeah. So we go to the parent-teacher conference night. Cal and Emily have reunited for the first time since he moved out. She tells him that he looks great, and he's like, yeah, you know, I realize I've been buying the wrong size suit for 20 years. For 20 years. I know. She gives him a good look, though, and says, no, like, you really, you really do look great. And he says, well, you always look great. Uh, I do like the way that this shot is framed. Like, there's the door between them, and then they're sitting on Mm -hmm. either side on a chair. He mentions that he spoke to Nana yesterday, and she's like, yeah, me too. You know, how'd she sound to you? And he's like, oh, the usual, you know, she worries about us. You may be thinking, who is this Nana character? Don't worry. It'll come back later. (laughs) (laughs) So he then asks what teacher this is. And Emily says it's Miss Tafferty, his English teacher, the one he pulled the whole asshole stunt on. And Cal and Emily have some like cute banter they're like oh what a weird kid but like i kind of like him yeah glad that we switched babies at the hospital to get him (laughs) yeah so they clearly have very similar senses of humor um there's a a big like familiarity and ease with the way that they kind of go back and forth Mm -hmm. which i did very much appreciate Mm -hmm. like they have been together for over 20 years yeah they just don't translate that to the deeper parts of their relationship. Exactly. So Cal then asks how things are going with David. Emily gets kind of like tripped up on her words and tries to like awkwardly explain that she's like not with David, that it like it didn't mean anything. It was just like a one-time sort of thing. And she asks if he's seeing anybody and he says no. She's like, really? Like I heard some things and he's like no like not really like you know me no i'm not with anybody else uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he then tells her that he misses her and he's like you know I, I used to make an effort when we were younger like the mini golf and, and the dancing but i just got lazy and boring somewhere along the way And he says that he's really mad at her, but he's mad at himself, too. Because he shouldn't have jumped out of that car. He should have fought for her. Because you fight for your soulmate. And this really strikes Emily. She starts to tear up, and she says that Mm -hmm. she misses him, too. And this is probably, like, just what she wanted to hear all along. Yeah. Was that, you know, he does see her. He does care about her. He does still, like, have that, like, deep love for her. But that's why you have to, like, communicate when you are having those feelings instead of, like, just letting it 
fester and build up until the point where you then find yourself going out and seeking it elsewhere. Yeah. So, again, it's just about, like, how important communication is in a relationship. And I did appreciate, though, like, I don't know if he would have recreated himself had he Mm. not had to at least move out for a little bit because that was also an issue where even, like – Obviously, Julianne Moore is very, very beautiful. And in the beginning, Cal is like poorly dressed, very nice man, but like not really putting in the effort in his appearance. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I did appreciate the fact that like he starts dressing nice and it doesn't have to be like insane or anything like but he is it's like he got his colors done. Yeah. (laughs) And he looks better and he's you know, trying to put it forth effort. Mm-hmm. And I think that just like happens in a lot of relationships, whether you're married or even just like together for a long time, like you can both become so okay with mediocrity right. and like not putting in effort into the relationship, but also yourself. So I think both things needed to happen. Like he had to have some personal growth mm-hmm. and there needed to be and you know addressing of their relationship together so yeah definitely it it can be really easy especially i mean obviously i've never been in a relationship that long like 25 years but you know from what i've heard it can be really easy to stop putting in that effort like looks wise letting things just kind of like fall to the wayside and i don't know i think it's very important to like put effort into like wanting to be attractive for your your partner not that like you have to be always like on and you know yada yada or they're gonna leave you like that's not what i'm talking about but just like saying like hey i like love you and i want to like put in the effort to like look nice for you and like keep that Mm -hmm. spark going yeah absolutely yeah emily does tear up and she tells cal that she misses him too but this moment is then interrupted by Miss Tafferty coming out of the class and the pieces have finally been put together that Miss Tafferty, Kate from the bar, one in the same. Kate is very upset because obviously Cal yeah. never called her after their night together. So they go into the class and Cal keeps trying to like play it off that they met. Oh, we like met at the last parent teacher conference. Because obviously Emily is not an idiot and can see that something is up. And he's like, anyways, I think we should just focus on Robbie. And Kate is like, you're so right. Let's focus on Robbie. And then the caricature continues. She kind of like goes off the deep end. And under the guise of talking about the whole like Robbie asshole incident, she reveals that Cal never called her that he used the guise of honesty to get her into bed with him, that she had to go down on him for 45 minutes because he was nervous. I'm like, that's such a long time. And after this whole kind of rant, Cal just like leans over and whispers to Emily saying, she's an alcoholic. And Kate (laughs) screams. So uh, Cal and Emily leave the classroom. Mm Mm-hmm. Outside, Emily is obviously upset, and it's just such a bummer because, of course, they have to do the thing where it's like they almost get back together, but psych, Mm -hmm. something gets in the way. And I'm like, 
they've been together for so long. Mm-hmm. This is like the first time that they're actually communicating their feelings. Can't we just like have a moment <laughs> where they go and go to like a diner they know or something and they have like a real conversation, but they're like, we can't write that. No. We, we can't. We don't know how to do it. <laughs> and this movie needs to be longer. <laughs> so Cal says when they first got married, she was the only woman he ever slept with. And now he's had sex with nine different women. And of course, this is not comforting yeah. information. So Emily freaks out and then starts tearing up and says that he showed her. And she also is like, yeah, I have no right to be angry. Like, I know I cheated on you. But he's like, I was just trying to move on, but I don't want to. You've always been the only one. And then Kate <sighs> comes out and, like, makes everything fucking worse. Yeah. And she's like... Yeah, tell her she's the perfect combination of sexy and cute, asshole. And this is something special that he said to her. So, of course, Emily is heartbroken that he would, like, use that as a line to another woman. Yeah. And she's just like, who are you? And Cal says to himself, like, I'm your soulmate. And she drives off, starts raining. Yeah. Then, tone shift, we're back at Hannah. Bet you forgot about this storyline. Certainly. So she is at her congratulations, you took the bar dinner, thrown by Richard, also known as Human Valium. (laughs) He makes a toast. He's like, Hannah Banana, I did tell you that tonight would be a special night if you pass the bar. So I wanted to formally ask you in front of our friends and colleagues... If you would like to become a permanent lawyer at our firm. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So Hannah is silent. She's stunned. Too stunned to speak. Mm -hmm. Until she quietly, like, says to him, hey, like, I thought you were going to propose. So, like, I'm a little bit thrown. And Richard's like, oh. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't realize that you thought that we were there. Like, I need some time to figure out how I feel about us, you know, long term. That's so crazy. This is the last straw for Miss Hannah. She kind of gets a little bit of a maniacal look in her eye. Which Emma Stone does very well. Very well. She starts laughing and she grabs somebody's drink off of the table uh downs it it's gin she hates gin but she sucks it down (laughs) she then thanks richard for his job offer and says she'll consider it and liz always with the timing already has her coat in hand tosses it Mm -hmm. to her gives her a high five as hannah storms out of the restaurant yes and where does she storm off to the bar on the soundstage bar (laughs) and spots jacob and just yells you (laughs) And he turns away from the girl he was just hitting on. Hannah marches right up to him and kisses him. And they make out. And she's like, do you remember me? He's like, yes. And do you still want to take me home? And he's like, yes. And I think that he even, like, lifts her up at one point. He does. Making out. Yeah. And then she, like, daintily, like, lands her feet down. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my my God. God. Okay, La La Land. <laughs> this was their audition. Yeah. Um, 
No, it's a great scene. I love this scene. And she mentions it too. And she comes, she's like, I was being dramatic. Yeah. But it is such a good moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we go to Jacob's in fucking credible apartment. Do we ever find out what he does? No, we do not. No. But we don't we do know he has generational wealth. That we do. So I read that this was filmed in like the Hollywood Hills. Like yeah. clearly. Jacob makes them some old fashions. Yeah, with like the sugar cube and everything. I was like, oh my God. Yes. A renaissance man. Incredible. Like even muddles it, mm. like puts the right amount of bitters. Like he's like doing the most. Yeah. Comes back over to Hannah, hands her one of the glasses. Hannah, in her nervousness, downs the drink, which she's like, oh, this is not my drink, <laughs> and then grabs his and downs it too. And she's like, yeah, that wasn't my favorite. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and she's like, is this how it normally works? You put on the perfect song, you make them a drink, and then you sleep together. And Jacob is like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And Hannah's like, okay, I'm very nervous. I know I seemed confident at the bar, but that was just be- because I was like cold and wet and trying to be dramatic. And Jacob's like, you're adorable. And I'm like, ah! And Hannah's like, no, I am a sexy. I'm R-rated sexy. And of course... Emma Stone's yeah. doing her like funny girl thing. Funny, awkward, hot girl thing. <laughs> Right. She's like, I could be a model, but I'm quirky. Okay. (laughs) I'm too quirky to be a model. Yeah. Look at these freckles. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And she knows that in the PG-13 version of this night, she gets really drunk and passes out and he covers her with a blanket and kisses her on the cheek. But I'm here to bang the hot guy from the bar. And so she tries to, like, hype herself up and really, like, she's like, take off your shirt. It'll stop me from overthinking. (laughs) Jacob (laughs) takes off his shirt to reveal his, like, 0% body fat washboard abs. It's like, boom, 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 boom. boom. Ever heard of a 10-pack? Yeah. And she's like, oh, my it's like you're photoshopped and goes over to like touch his body in disbelief, like fully reading Braille yeah. right now. <laughs> and he's like, take off your dress. And she's like, no, oh my, but not with you looking like that. Is there dim lighting? And I'm like, first of all, this is Emma Stone, yeah. but I'll pretend for the sake of the joke. That was really funny. Yes. Um, And she's like, okay, what happens now? Like, what's your big move? And he's like, you're not ready for it. And she's like, no, what's your big move? And he's like, okay, I work dirty dancing into the conversation. And she's like, what? Like, do we watch the movie? (laughs) And he's like, you know, the move at the end of Dirty Dancing where Patrick Swayze, like, lifts her up. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I can do the move and girls always want to have sex with me after I do the move. <laughs> and Hannah's like, that is ridiculous. I'm and he's like, I agree, but it works every time. Well yeah. She's like, it wouldn't work on me. That would work on I'm me. I'm like, it would work Absolutely. on me. Yeah. I'm I'm just a girl. But also 
he doesn't need to be doing all that. I'm already sold. Right. I've made it this far. Yeah, I'm I'm in. <laughs> right. But I'll t- I'll take the dirty dancing lift if you're offering it. Yeah, you're like, I was actually on the fence. Show me that lift. <laughs> yeah. One more ring it back. One um, more time. <laughs> yeah. Walk it back. Cut to them getting in position. And she like hypes herself up and they do the move with the stunt double. Yes. <laughs> and he slowly puts her down on the ground and she's like, Yeah, it worked. Do you prefer here or the bedroom? <laughs> um He says the bedroom. Of course. Yes. He's a gentleman, after all. Yeah. This whole scene, great. I like the the Emma Stone Ryan Gosling sequences are wonderful uh, obviously their chemistry is electric it always has been it always will be yeah oh yeah um and it's not only because obviously they're like two hot people but also as we've learned people until now have not given ryan gosling the credit he deserves for his comedic timing agreed mm-hmm. i mean i am happy that he was nominated for an oscar like i am yeah. i'm sorry yeah i thought that his performance as ken was great so, yeah, they're the way that they bounce off each other, they're so funny together and also have this like very sweet I I it's not chemistry that I'm like, wow, this is like steaming hot chemistry, but it's like very romantic. You can tell there's a lot of like care and respect between the two of them. Yeah. And that really translates beautifully in a romantic way. So, we then go back to the bar. Cal walks in. But he sees that Jacob's regular seat is empty. Where could he possibly be? He's in his bedroom with Hannah. So they are making out on his bed. Hannah, like while they're kissing, just like starts talking about how the pillow forms perfectly to the shape of her head. And like in between them making out, she just keeps like rambling about the pillow before she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like you keep going. You can continue. And we pan for like quite some time over Ryan Gosling's torso before she is like, do you have one of those ridiculous massage chairs? (laughs) And he does cop to having one and they have some back and forth banter about it. He reveals that it cost him $5,000 and he's only used it twice. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's $2,500 per massage. So Hannah asks to sit in it. Uh, We cut to her sitting in this massage chair in his garage under the fluorescent lighting. And she just goes, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So we go back to his bedroom and they just stay up all night, like talking and laughing and getting to know each other. They joke around about how Jacob has bought like everything that's ever been on the shopping channel. She's like, oh, so you stay up nights. He's like, yeah, I'm very unhappy. And I just keep trying to fill that void with everything on the shopping channel. He really is. Yeah. That's very earnest. Yeah. We do see like a shot, I think earlier in the movie when it's like raining and it's just him like sitting at his kitchen counter by himself eating cereal for dinner. And I'm like, relatable. Aww. So they also talk about how, like, Hannah has always been really smart and her dad cried when she won the spelling bee as a kid. Uh, We just get these, like, various back and forth shots. And I did read that for this whole sequence, they just, like, threw out the script and had them improv, which is why it does feel, like, so so natural and real. They would just give them different topics and have them, like, go on and they cut it all together. 
So Jacob then asks Hannah to ask him, like, he's like, would you do me a favor? Like, would you do me a kindness and ask me something personal about myself? Which again, we know this is like against all of his rules. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. So she asks what his mother is like. And he says that she's very beautiful, very vain, very smart, and very cold. She asks about his dad, and Jacob says that his dad died a long time ago, but he was such a sweet guy. He was very successful. He made a lot of money, which is why he's able to like have everything that he does, the generational wealth. But he was soft. He was too sensitive, and he couldn't handle someone like his mother, which, you know, really kind of closes that gap between why he was so drawn to Cal in the first place. He sees a Mm -hmm. lot of his dad in him and he never, like he hasn't had that father figure in his life for so many years. Yeah. And also this whole conversation, I mean, you said it was improv, Mm -hmm. so that does make sense for why they feel so comfortable. Mm -hmm. But it also just feels like they're both very unabashed and he clearly has this persona that he abides by very intently. Yeah. So for him to completely open up with her. And I did at first when they're in bed and she's like, oh, this pillow is like perfectly shaped for my head. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet you like bought this from Brookstone. Like you're one of those people yeah. who buys those pillows like you see in the airport. And it almost seems like he might be annoyed with her. Mm-hmm. Because she keeps bringing up stuff and, like, they're not going to do what they intended right. with the night. But um, when she starts joking about the chair, like, he really just, like, finds it so endearing. Yeah. And he's, like, you could see the moment he turns from, like, I'm doing something I always do to, like, I'm having an intimate personal yeah. moment with someone and, like, being fully human. Yeah. And he's just – Ryan Gosling is so good at bringing you in and showing you, like, what his character is thinking. And, like – and he does this in the notebook, too, where he's, like – you can just, like, feel the way his heart is, like, Oh, it's cracked open, open yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, even the the very small detail about the way that his mom is, it's like, oh – it also makes a lot of sense why he is a womanizer who does keep women at arm's length and, like, doesn't allow mm-hmm. himself to be vulnerable with them because he has dumb mommy has issues. issues. Yeah. So by the end of the night, we see Jacob has passed out and Hannah covers him up with a blanket, kisses him on the cheek. Nothing happens, just like she predicted. He is PG. He is PG-13. And as they sleep... Cal leaves Jacob a message about the teacher situation and is like, call me back. I got a story to tell you. Back at the bar, we have a montage of Cal leaving Jacob a ton of messages. He's like, hey, it's been over a week. You know, I haven't seen you around. And at the bar, he also sees this guy one night just sitting alone, drinking his cocktail through a straw and wearing very dad fit yeah. and it's just like a reflection of how he was at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and this time he calls emily but emily does not pick up 
because she's on a date with David Lindhagen. Rough. Yeah. So they talk a bit about, you know, what they wanted to be when they grew up. And Emily talks about how she always pictured herself as a ballerina, even though she, like, didn't really have much training and never even has been to the ballet. And... David is like, oh, I'd, I'd love to take you to the ballet. She's like, spend all her money on the boys in the ballet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and betting on card games <laughs> with Dolly. <laughs> oh. So David Lindhagen is like, or no, she's like, oh, you, you like the ballet? And he's like, no, no, I didn't say that. I said I'd like to take you to the ballet, you know, drop you off, pick you up, and then we'll go watch a football game. I was like, yeah. All right. <laughs> So at the end of the night, David drops her off. He kisses her on her doorstep. And who opens the door but Jessica? It's quite awkward. She has to introduce Jessica to her work friend. And David just like kind of slinks away after she's like, great. Well, that all looks good. Spreadsheets. See you at work. Emily then goes to pay Jessica for her babysitting services, and Jessica tells Emily that her kids are the only ones that she babysits that want to stay awake so that they can see their dad when he gets home. That's sweet. And she's like, don't get, re- don't get me wrong. Like, they're really excited to see you too, but not a lot of kids want to stay up for dad. So Emily asks what she's trying to say, and Jessica just whispers under her breath, fat shit crazy. And Emily's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you're so overstepping. Yeah. Like, many other moms would be like, don't. Be like, shut that's up. That's inappropriate. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Especially because she's not like just her babysitter. She's also like a family friend. It's like. Yeah. yeah. So Jessica just like shoves past her and she's like, I don't want your slutty money. And Jesus. Emily's like what like slutty money what is she talking about so she goes inside drops off the bouquet of lilies that david lindhagen bought for her and this is spotted by robbie Mm. so jessica gets home and decides that she needs to rev up her plan for cal and she gets herself ready while robbie is riding over to her house with the bouquet yeah. With just David Lindhagen's <laughs> name crossed off and his name written in. Yep. And she sets up her digital camera, okay, with the flash to take a bunch of photos. And she prints one out, puts it in a – oh, it's so cringe. I wouldn't even do this at 18, like 17, 18. Like I would not be adorning an envelope with heart stickers. No. And writing in like, <laughs> in like cursive. Yeah. yeah. So the doorbell rings, the flowers are left on the doorstep, and we see the card. It says, please give me a chance, Robbie. So Cal is doing his midnight yard work once again when he hears Emily inside calling the kids downstairs for ice cream and he just like sadly watches them through the window and this part was really sad like just watching your family and like remembering being part of that through a window slipping through my fingers (laughs) all the time (laughs) 
I try to picture every minute. Yeah, so he then watches, like, Emily kind of abruptly get up and go into another room. Mm -hmm. And she picks up the phone. Who's she calling? She's calling Cal. Aw. So he picks up and... She lies saying that she's in the basement trying to get the water heater working because the pilot light is out, which, like, he knows that she's lying. She's just, you know, standing in the office. Because he's watching her. Yeah, because he is breaking and entering. Um, But he's like, oh, I'm, like, I'm so glad you called. Like, let, let me walk you through it. And Emily is, like, tearing up as he is giving her the instructions. And she thanks him for helping and he's like, absolutely, you call me anytime you need help with anything. And she's like, yeah, of course. Like, thank you again. And he says, my pleasure. And they say goodbye mm. and hang up. And this actually, this, this is sad. got me so emotional. It's probably one of my, like, favorite moments in the scene, like, moments in the whole movie. Like, it just is so intimate. And it's, again, like, they're they so clearly miss each other and want to be with each other but aren't like communicating that but like right. she just so badly wants to hear his voice for like some comfort for some sense of home while she's like with her family i don't know it just it really i was very emotional watching the scene i thought it was really well done yeah this reminded me of like the first time that i called my ex-boyfriend mm. after we had broken up because I had had I like had to ask about I don't know maybe like some of his belongings that were left over I don't know what it yeah. was um and it was literally like just the saddest conversation yeah being like hey like did you want this like do you want to keep like hope balls like and it was just like so sad because we like he had moved out and then it was like oh now we're just like past you know like past um artifices right. of like a different life together but like we're no longer to yeah so this like this made me really emotional because i was just like oh my god mm -hmm. yeah when you're you're used to having like a, a certain dynamic with somebody and then mm -hmm. speaking to them like again when everything is like completely different starring yeah it's this movie had some emotional moments yeah so cal is shopping at a home depot type store for a bunch of supplies for a big surprise for emily he finally gets a call back from jacob and he's like i'm so sorry for falling off the grid but I'm in a bit of a pickle. I met a girl and she is a game changer. So much so that I'm about to go and meet her mom and I need advice. And Cal is like, well, um, you're going to have to answer some personal questions about <laughs> yourself. You'll need to smile, be charming. Don't be yourself. He and Hannah are in the store grabbing a bottle of wine to meet her mom and they're just being very cute and endearing and he like honks her nose and ah, it's yeah. so cute and jacob and cal agree to get a drink sometime this week and cal is like don't worry about tonight you'll be fine and hey good for you 
He says, hey, hey. I'm happy for you, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Ryan Gosling just being, like, so cute. Like, R- Emma and Ryan are, like, play biting each other. And then he, like, honks her nose. He's like, you got to get that fixed. And I'm like, ugh. Oh, my God. Yeah. So this is in the notes where I wrote Ryan Gosling, the Rizzler that you are. Mm-hmm. So after that cutie, cute, cute little scene, we go to the Riley house where Jessica's mom is putting away some of her laundry. Uh. Mom then finds an envelope in Jessica's drawer. It is the envelope for Cal. She looks in it. ruh So she goes downstairs and no words, no context, nothing. Just hands it to her husband to look at. Yikes. Horrifying. This is like my worst fear. Literal. But I, I never did this. Yeah. But so Jessica like looks up and realizes what's happening and tries to like stop her dad, but Bernie like runs out the door. Jessica grabs her mom's keys and like gets in the car to follow him while like the mom is yelling, like, that man is a pervert. Like, has he been sending you to awful because obviously they think that, you know, there's something reciprocal right. going on here. Mm-hmm. They're like, my daughter couldn't possibly (laughs) instigate this. So, uh, yeah, Jessica goes on a mad car chase following her dad, runs a red light. Tensions are high. Back at the Weaver house, Emily gets home and Robbie is waiting for her with a blindfold and like a little blue sport coat on. And he's like, dad's here. We have a surprise for you. So he blindfolds her and brings her into the backyard. (laughs) There is a really funny moment when she's walking down the stairs and she's like literally so frazzled. And he's like, come on, mom, like I've got you like a couple more steps. And she's like, like, I can't see anything at all. And she's like, it's dad, not (laughs) (laughs) Al-Qaeda. He has turned the backyard into their own personal mini golf course. Oh, a la one of their first dates and he makes her keep the blindfold on while Robbie starts playing True by Spando Ballet. Spando. Yeah. I do not know that song. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Okay. And Cal begins his speech. He says, many years ago in the hallway of Woodside Middle School, Cal Weaver saw Emily Boyle for the first time. Emily says, we may as well wait for our daughter, our other daughter, and in walks Miss Hannah Banana, a.k.a. Nana, <gasps> and Jacob. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Jacob and Cal stop dead in their tracks when they see each other. Turns out Nana is Hannah's nickname. She couldn't say her H's, blah, blah, blah. Cal is freaking out. And Hannah introduces Jacob as her boyfriend. And Cal's like, no, nope, absolutely (laughs) not. Break up right now. And Jacob is like, how do you... How do you have a grown-up daughter? And Cal's like, we got pregnant at 17. Like, that's why we got married so young. (laughs) And Emily finally takes off her blindfold and tells Hannah, like, Jacob is really cute. And Cal's like, no, he's not. Break up right now. (laughs) And Jacob is like, that's not going to happen. 
And Cal's like, I'm going to mess you up. (laughs) Yeah. So as if it couldn't get any more chaotic, Jessica and Bernie then burst through the door. Bernie tackles Cal on site and starts yelling about how Jessica is only 17. Uh, Cal, extremely confused. Jacob joins in, like trying to pull Bernie off of Cal. He ends up getting punched in the face. Jessica is trying to explain to her dad that, like, Cal didn't even know about the photos. Meanwhile, Bernie is, like, tearing this mini golf windmill apart to attack Cal. Jessica has to be like, no, no, no. He doesn't know that I'm in love with him. Daddy, stop. Daddy, I love him. He doesn't even know about the naked photos. Run, Jesse, run. (laughs) Jesse, run. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the news is out. She's in love with a dad. She has, uh taken some naked photos of herself robbie is heartbroken cal realizes that the girl that robbie is in love with is jessica then who shows up to make matters worse but david lindhagen being like oh emily you left your sweater in my car the other night and when jacob hears that this is the famous david lindhagen he takes off his little pinky ring punches him right in the face that he does. So he starts being like, do you know how – you have any idea how much pain and suffering you've caused for my friend? But then Cal tries to tackle Jacob, telling him to stay the hell away from his daughter. Bernie tries to tackle Cal, telling him to stay the hell away from his daughter. David tries to tackle Jacob because he's like, I don't even know who you are and you just punch me in the face. All the men end up in a big dog pile on the ground while the women watch in disgust. Pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this scene is impeccable. It is extremely mm-hmm. well done. The way that it all comes together in some beautiful chaos. Um, impeccable. The punch of David Lindhagen. Iconic. Yeah. And after all of this, this is like the pinnacle of um, – Oh, there has to be something that goes, like, a a big misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. And there is with, like, five different storylines. Yeah. So after this happens, the men are all sat down in front of the police. And (laughs) the policeman is just like, I'm going to write down domestic disturbance and leave it at that. Just stopped fighting. And if you're going to fight, do it inside and keep it in the family. (laughs) And Jacob laughs at this, and Cal's like, I'll kill you. (laughs) Bernie and Jessica leave in shame, and Jacob tries to talk to Cal, but Cal tells Hannah that Jacob is a lowlife womanizer, and Emily's like, that's ironic. And Cal's like, I've witnessed him in action, and you are not to see him anymore. But daddy, I love him. <laughs> Literally. And she's like, I will be seeing him more. Mm-hmm. And Cal's like, okay, then we have nothing more to talk about. Get out of my house. And Emily's like, you're being unreasonable. And this isn't your house anymore. And I get it's the heat of the moment, but they really like make him a villain for saying this one yeah. thing. Cal says, yeah, you made damn sure of that, sweetheart. And Hannah and Jacob leave together. And I'm like, damn, this is like the worst thing you've ever heard your dad say. Yeah. Like, kudos to your life. (laughs) And Cal tells David, Emily is all his and walks away. 
And as he walks to leave the house, he tells Robbie, go big or go home, right? And Robbie tells him to go home. Yeah. So we get a a bit of a sad montage. Robbie deletes Jessica's number from his phone. Jessica laying in her bed, twisting her hair. She loves to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Hannah and Jacob still together. And Jacob is trying to get her to call her dad, but she says no. And Cal watches Robbie leave school from the from like the parking lot, but Robbie just walks right past him. Yeah. And next thing we see, Cal is at the bar again. He asks the bartender for another drink and asks what time it is. And she's like, 2 p.m. Like she says two in the afternoon. <laughs> And he's like, thank you for that yeah. barmaid, bar servant. Bar wench. <laughs> um, yeah. And Jacob walks up to him and he's like, nice sweatsuit. Can I sit down? And Cal's like, I don't know. Can you? <laughs> and Jacob's like, okay, let's be adults about this. And Cal literally is like, yeah, you know that you've lost when you when you get to mimicking. Right. And he's like, it would mean a lot to me if we could talk. But Cal is like, are you still dating my daughter? And then he's like, well, we have nothing to talk about then. So Jacob asks Cal if he's been hanging out here a lot and missing work. And he has. Apparently has a lot of vacation days. Mm-hmm. And the bartender delivers a shot to him. And Jacob is like, do you want to drink that? But Cal is like, no, I think she spit in it. <laughs> Jacob tells him his kids miss him, and Cal suggests he just teach Robbie how to objectify a woman. And he's like, "Um, are you going to Robbie's eighth grade graduation? And Cal's like, of course I am. And he's like, okay, well, you just haven't been around. And Cal says that Robbie isn't his biggest fan right now. But Jacob is like, he worships you. And he tells him that he also loves Hannah and he doesn't know what he was doing before this. So Cal asks Jacob to tell him how much he loves Hannah. And Jacob begins to explain that he used to think people who were in love were pathetic. And he spent all this time trying to make Cal more like him. But really, he just wants to be like... Cal, but he doesn't say that. He's like, ah, do, are you really going to make me like spell it out for you? Mm-hmm. And Cal tells Jacob that he had Hannah when he was 17. He taught her to ride a bike and drive a car. And he's happy that he's changed, but he's seen too much already. And Jacob says he knows. And Cal tells him that Hannah is too good for him. And he's never going to get his approval. So Jacob shakes his head and tells Cal that he's a good dad and leaves. Cal knocks back his shot and he's like, yep, she definitely spit in it. Yeah. Defo spit in the shot. Yuck. So we go to graduation. Cal uh, walks over to the bleachers. He 
thinks that there might be, you know, a seat with the rest of his family, but Jacob is sitting there. It's Jacob's seat. That was so cruel. Yeah. So he has to go and sit in the back row. Miss Tafferty gets up and introduces their first student speaker, Robbie. So Robbie gets up and starts making his speech, saying, Welcome, class of 2011. Our time as middle schoolers has come to an end. We can't fight it anymore. We're getting old. Ha ha ha. (laughs) All my life, I wanted to grow up. I wanted to grow older so people would take me seriously. It all sounded so good to me, growing up, getting a job, getting married, but it's all a scam. And love, (laughs) that's the biggest scam of all. He's like, I've learned it all and I'm only graduating. I'm only 13 and I got this life shit all figured out. And it sucks. (laughs) Yeah, he says, I was in love. And I know that makes some of you laugh because I'm only 13, but whatever, I was. And I used to think and really believe that there was one true love for everyone. And if you fought hard enough for that person, your one true love would always work out. It sounded good to me when I was younger, but it doesn't work that way. There's no such thing as one true love. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yells Cal and walks down to the podium where he begins addressing the crowd and Miss Tafferty flips him off. And I'm like, let it go. I get it. You have your own issues too. Yeah, you need to stop. So Cal gives his own speech. Well, here's the thing. My son's graduation speech sucks. That's not a joke, in fairness. I didn't know where he was going with that, but I think we can all agree It was headed in a kind of depressing way. My son, not him, my actual son, believes in grand romantic gestures. He believes in the existence of one's soulmate. And it's easy to look at a 13-year-old and say, you don't know what you're talking about. You are wrong. But I'm not so sure. I met my soulmate when I was 15 years old. We went out for ice cream. You see, Emily watching him. After my dad started teasing me about my first date, the way dads do, and I told him, dad, it's no big deal. I'm going to be going out with a lot of different girls on a lot of different dates. And that is the first time that I ever lied to my father. I met my soulmate when I was 15 years old, and I have loved her every minute of every day since I first bought her that mint chocolate chip cone. I have loved her through the birth of my three perfect children. I have loved her even when I've hated her. Only married couples will understand that one. The other fucking couple in this movie looks at each other like, "Ah." you got me. (laughs) And I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm sorry, Robbie. I can't give you that. But I can promise you this. I will never stop trying because when you find the one, you never give up. Do you have anything you'd like to say? I still love <laughs> Jessica. I still love you, Jessica. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I really like this monologue. I think it's really beautiful. I think that Steve Carell uh, delivers it with such sincerity. Um, mm-hmm. Like this movie – 
obviously we have a lot of moments of more absurd, like raunchy kind of offbeat comedy where it's like, okay, it's not taking itself super seriously. But then there are also like moments like this that are so sincere and earnest where it's not like making fun of the genre. And that's an issue that I have with a lot of modern rom-coms is that they lean too far into like satirizing or making fun of the genre but i'm like no you have to have like the earnestness and sincerity there otherwise it's just like it's not a rom-com no absolutely and i think this is the closest to that we get to that like kind of outpouring that like deep conversation Mm -hmm. i just am like okay this is the public display we never get that conversation between the two of them yeah but it is really like lovely and it is very Mm rom-commy in that um it isn't like heavy it is that grand romantic gesture Mm -hmm. that is so juicy about the rom-coms and yeah he i mean he's just a really good actor too so obviously like the delivery is impeccable and he just realizes that you gotta Admit when you're wrong, Mm -hmm. and even if you fucked up, like, if you're honest, you might have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, it's really not not hard to to love Steve Carell. Retweet. So, yeah, after Robbie's exclamation that he still loves Jessica, Cal exclaims that he still loves Emily, and they walk off stage together. So, after... The graduation ceremony, Emily hugs Robbie, Hannah hugs Cal. They have, you know, reconciled. And Cal tells Jacob that he did buy a firearm and he is prepared to shoot him in the face with it. (laughs) And then he gives him a little slap and Hannah's like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, then I think he slaps him again. So Robbie... (laughs) Laughing at this nose. It is the most dramatic music that they play. This song I used to listen to all the time when I was in high school. It was on my like study playlist that I listened to on eight tracks. I don't know if anyone else ever used that website. I do not know what that is. It was like before Spotify was really a thing. It was uh eight tracks.com and you could just like make playlists and listen to them. And there was one that I would listen to all the time that somebody made. I think it was called like Coffee Studying and something else. <laughs> and it was songs like this. It was songs like Falling in Love at a Coffee Shop, like oh, that course. kind of core. So this song I, I used to listen to. I think that maybe I'm possibly falling. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the song. What is it called? I think it's called Blood by... The Middle East. The Middle East. Yeah. Yeah. So... Because I I did Shazam. I was like, what the fuck am I (laughs) listening to? Yeah. So that song comes on. Uh, Robbie excuses himself to go talk to his friends. And who does he find but Jessica? So he tells her he's glad she came. And he apologizes for making her uncomfortable. And she's like, hey, what happened to not giving up? He's like, well, I'm not giving up. I just figure in a few years I'll look like my dad and you like him. So 
two plus two equals we're getting married. Mm-hmm. And she then, I, I don't know why they had to include this. She then gives him an envelope as a graduation gift to get him through high school. And it is. It's insane that she gives him yeah, this. It is the naked photos that she took. And I have to believe if this movie is being made now, they would not do this. Right. Because what the fuck? But in the movie, it's all like, teehee, how cute. Whatever. I'm not even going to touch it. She tells him to take care and kisses his cheek. Cal then, you know, waves over to Robbie and tells Emily that he looks happy. And she's like, yeah, I hate his haircut. And they're like, yeah, he looks like a sheepdog, which he does, frankly. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, we see, like, Jacob playing with Joey King. I don't even know her character's name in this movie. It's, like, Molly or something. Yeah, something like that. They're playing, like, all seems to be well with the kids. Emily says to Cal, it's been a really hard year. And then she tells him that she's really glad he bought her that ice cream. So... You know, a little bit of an ambiguous ending, but it is pointing to a reconciliation for Emily and Cal. And overall, though, what's most important is just them kind of like looking on their life together with reverence instead of regret. Yeah. Which I think is more important than like if they get back together or not. Yeah. And I think that they will. Yeah. But they really tie it up for us. They're Mm -hmm. like... People are happy. And then we like pan out as the song wraps up the end. That's crazy, stupid love. That is. What are your what are your final thoughts on this film? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely 2011. Emma Stone has just had her breakthrough role. Yeah. No, I think it's a fun movie to watch. Like I have seen it several times Mm -hmm. now. And I think in terms of a movie that goes through several different storylines, it does it pretty well. Yeah. But it's definitely a surface level film. Like we don't get that deep Mm -hmm. moments. Like I'm thinking of when Harry met Sally. Right. How there are those really intimate moments between the two of them, which I enjoy. And this movie does center more around Cal and Jacob. Yeah. Um, and the transformation that he undergoes with him and then how that like branches out. But the first, I want to say like 90 minutes of the movie are so different from the last 30 minutes of the movie. Yes. And a lot happens in the last 30 minutes. Like I think there are just parts where they didn't know how to fit things in and it's a bit just just um, disjointed. Yeah. So that did lose points for me because like the actors are so good that you could really utilize them. Like, if I had to cut one storyline, it would be the Jessica Robbie storyline. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I frankly don't need it. I don't think it really adds... I mean, it doesn't add any substance in general, really, but it doesn't really add much comedy either. So, like, I really don't need it. Trim the fat. Like, that would give us so much more real estate to really delve into like Cal and Emily's marriage, their dynamic Mm -hmm. together, getting even more of like Jacob and Hannah too, because I really like their banter and their story. But like once 
we see like that one night of them together we really don't see them for the rest of the movie yeah so seeing how they like build this relationship how he like continues to open up it's like you don't just become a changed man overnight like that would be a process for him after living so many years of not being vulnerable with anybody to then having this partnership you don't then just become the perfect boyfriend you know mm-hmm so I think like that would have been something really interesting that I would love to see explored. And yeah, just like we talked about with it lacking depth in those areas. And I think a movie that explores a lot of similar themes that I actually like better, even though I know it's not as popular or necessarily as like well made of a movie, whatever, is Stuck in Love, which also uh, I, I love, love Stuck in that love. movie. It like But that movie I guess you could call it a rom-com, but it is yeah. much darker. Yes, for sure. For sure. But I love that movie. And mm-hmm. it does have this a very similar storyline. Yeah. But it gets much more into the details of the characters. Yeah. And I feel like – because that is also – it's not a multi-storyline movie in the sense where, like, you don't realize until halfway through that they're all connected. Like, yeah. it's a family. Um, so, like, we're not doing that. But I think that both the Greg Kinnear storyline, the Lily Collins storyline, and then that Wolf ones, those are all really well fleshed out. Totally. And very unique to each other while also mm-hmm. having, like, overlapping themes. So that movie, if we're looking at, like, a 2010s era, like, rom-com, I would gravitate towards Stuck in Love more than I would Crazy Stupid Love. However, mm-hmm. we talked about it, there are a lot of gems in this movie, too. Totally. I've seen Stuck in Love so many times. Like, I could watch it right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, what is your rating for Crazy Stupid Love? Yes. Uh, I would say, even though I love this cast, I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, same. It's also getting a seven from me. Mm-hmm. It's like it's so close to really hitting the mark, but it like just falls short in a couple crucial areas for me that like it yeah. will never live in like my rom-com hall of fame, even though I know it's like a favorite for many, many people out there. It just like doesn't really smack me emotionally the way that I want to. For sure. By rom-com. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other – yeah, Stuck in Love. I mm-hmm. love – uh, when Harry met Sally, like that was a really yeah. big one. Love Rosie is a huge one for me. You do love Love Rosie, yeah. And if you would like to watch Crazy Stupid Love, and you are in Canada, it is available on the Stars Channel wow. on Amazon Prime because I do have stars. So. Wow. Okay, go off. I had to rent this film, <laughs> um, but it was available. So, like, I rented it from Amazon, but you could also rent it from like Apple movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can also get it from this streaming service or renting service called Row 8, I think. That's what it's called. I didn't know it existed. And they made me, they were like, you have to make an account. I was like, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know your thoughts about this movie. Is it a fave for you? Mm Mm-hmm. Hit us up, let us know. Yeah, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? And, of course, as we dive further into Fall in Love February, let us know your February plans, your romance Mm. plans. I don't know, maybe you have romantic goals for this year. Are you planning a wedding? What's happening in your life? Let us know. 
Give us all the gossip. We want to know. Yeah. Send us your niche bachelorette party favors. <laughs> Ooh, yes, please do. And if you want to do that, where can you do it? Oh my God, on our Instagram. It's Movies That Raised Us. You can also follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. Yes, you can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And you can always send us a good old fashioned handwritten email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. Yes, and we will see you next week for another Fall in Love February film. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.